Today on the Inside Scoop, Colin Simmons' instant impact on Texas's 2024 class. Auburn out hunting for more elite recruits before summer comes to an end. But first, we have another huge decision taking place today. Colin Simmons, the number one edge off the board last week. Today, the number one defensive lineman, Williams Winnery, is making his decision. The five-star-plus defensive lineman is Izzy getting ready to shock the world, or will it be one of the conventional SEC powerhouses that land him? Let's bring on national recruiting analyst Sam Spiegelman. Sam, five-star-plus Williams Winery set to commit later today, so I want everybody to do me a favor right now. Like this video, subscribe to the On3 YouTube page, what is the latest intel? Because over the weekend, I saw a new crystal ball from Steve Wiltfong from Missouri. You flipped your pick from Oklahoma to Missouri on Sunday on the recruiting prediction machine. So, Sam, give it to us. What's going on here? Yeah, it's been a, a really long winding recruitment, Josh. You know that as well as anyone. We've talked about Oklahoma kind of being a, a staple in Williams Noary's recruitment since the tail end of his junior year. And he's been to Oklahoma more than any other school, probably besides Missouri. Missouri has fall, fell by the wayside as these out of state powerhouses like Oklahoma, then Tennessee, and also Georgia got into the mix. Oregon is another one of the finalists for Noary. Um, but we saw this summer he got back to Missouri in between trips to Tennessee and, and Georgia. And since then, Missouri has been a team that's been drawing a lot of buzz, especially after the dead period. It was it was one of the surprise teams that, you know, we had to dig in a little bit deeper to find out how legitimate Missouri was. But the, the home state team has really righted the ship. You can credit their Eli Drinkwitz first and foremost, but the defensive coaches and the staff wide approach getting Williams Noary back on campus and going toe to toe with Tennessee with Georgia and really with Oklahoma down the stretch there's a lot of confidence in Columbia about keeping Williams Noary home is NIL the great equalizer here I mean if there was no such thing take us back three years ago if there was no such thing as NIL right now do you think Missouri would have a shot to land the number one defensive lineman against programs like a Georgia and an Oklahoma Tennessee well, it's certainly part of the equation, just as it is for a lot of the same schools that you just mentioned, like Tennessee and Texas A&M, which put together, you know, incredibly talented recruiting classes in the past with NIL certainly being a component as it is for universities across the country. But Missouri also has a fantastic reputation of churning out first round picks along the defensive line, players like Williams Noary that have length, that are explosive off the ball and get after the quarterback and obviously be a, a huge asset in the run game. Missouri's done that at one of the highest clips in the country and under Blake Baker, their defensive coordinator, and under this defensive coaching staff headed by Eli Drinkwitz, it's been part of the production that's also put Missouri back into the mix with Williams Noary. If Missouri does land Williams Winery today and, and they prove that they can go out and go head head to head with anybody in the country for a, a number one player in their state, does it make us look a little differently at the Ryan Wingo recruitment, who is also from Missouri, He's a five star wide receiver considering Texas, Georgia, Tennessee, some of the some of the same players, but Missouri's also in there. So if Missouri goes out and lands Williams Winery, do we look at Ryan Wingo's recruitment a little differently moving forward? 
Yeah, you can actually see a lot of parallels between Williams Noary's recruitment and, and another five star Ryan Wingo's recruitment. You know, a lot of out of state schools have been at the forefront with Ryan Wingo, schools like Notre Dame and Tennessee, Michigan. Georgia was also a, a strong contender this spring, along with Tennessee. And then you saw schools like Texas and Texas A&M both get Wingo on campus this summer. Um, but Missouri has also gotten Ryan Wingo on campus. And again, the production at wide receiver has been a real asset for Missouri and, and recruiting historically the, the state of Missouri. But I had a source tell me over the weekend that if Missouri put itself in a good position to land Noary, that there would be even more confidence long term about their chances of also keeping Ryan Wingo home. So I think today, Josh will speak a lot of volumes. If, if they're able to keep an elite defensive lineman like Williams Noary home, beating out schools like Oklahoma and Tennessee, Tennessee and Georgia that I think that'll give even more confidence about their long-term chances holding off schools like Texas and Tennessee with Wingo. Yeah, I think this recruitment has a lot of intrigue and maybe some extended implications if it does go Missouri's way. Now, heading into the weekend, I mean it was all it was all Oklahoma really for for Williams Winery and it was trending that way. Let's say Oklahoma does land them later today. Does Do the Sooners have a chance at the D-line Triple Crown? And what I mean by that is five-star Williams Winery, five-star defensive lineman David Stone, and five-star defensive lineman Dominic McKinley. Of course, in order to hit the Triple Crown, you got to get Williams Winery in the boat first. But if they can do that, do you think Oklahoma has a chance at two more five-stars on that D-line? Yeah, if they're able to hit the home run and get Williams Noary on board first, I really like their chances about not only getting David Stone, but being in that in that final conversation with Dominic McKinley, who's set to announce in two weeks as well. Um, my RPM obviously was on Oklahoma Williams Noary for a good chunk of the spring and, and parts mm -hmm. of the summer. And if it, you know, this is shaping up to be a two team race until the finish. So, you know, there's Oklahoma, Brent Venables, Todd Bates and Miguel Chavis still have a puncher's chance in this one. But my RPM has shifted from Michigan State to Oklahoma after all the changes um, in East Lansing this offseason. I think Oklahoma put itself in the in the driver's seat with David Stone, the five star defensive lineman who's also set to come off the board at the end of August. And the deal with five-star defensive lineman Dominic McKinley, he's a top priority for schools like LSU, like Texas, like A&M, and for Ohio State. But when a decision is made, people expect it to be Texas, Oklahoma, and Ohio State at the forefront for, for Dominic McKinley. And Oklahoma might even be in the top two when it's all said and done. All right, let's talk a little bit more David Stone. We talk plenty of Oklahoma when it comes to David Stone, but much like the williams Winery recruitment, could this one trend away from Oklahoma in the end? And if it does, I think Miami's one of those teams that has kind of been a constant. They've been a name in the background. No matter who's come and gone, you've always kind of heard Miami. And he did take a couple visits this summer, including an official visit to Coral Gables in June. So as it stands right now, how much of a threat is Miami to land David Stone when he announces at the end of the month? Yeah, I think, again, Mario Cristobal can't be counted out when it when it comes down to offensive and defensive linemen. David Stone, even though he's originally from Oklahoma City, has been prepping at IMG for the past three years. He's been that's been opening the door for Miami to get him on campus. And as contenders like Michigan State have fallen by the wayside, it's just opened up the door for schools like Florida, like Texas A&M, Alabama and Miami to kind of stay in the, involved in this race. All right. 
Another five-star has set his decision. This is Terry Bussey out of the state of Texas. He's going to announce in early September. Sam, who do you think the early favorite is right now to land him? Yeah, uh, my RPM has been locked and loaded on on the Texas A&M. Texas A&M has been at the forefront with Terry Bussey for the bulk of his recruitment, even before it went national. Um, we know this spring he started to venture a little bit out of state, and this summer he took OVs to Texas, to Oklahoma, and in between he's took, taken visits to LSU. And there's a chance that he's back in Baton Rouge, back in Tuscaloosa in September for official visits. A&M is also working very hard to get him back on campus this fall before his September 28th decision. We know that A&M just had him on campus at the end of July after the dead period. It's shaping up to be a two-team race. I think LSU is trying to keep pace with the Aggies, and we'll see how it goes until the end of September. All right. Well, very exciting stuff. Sam Spiegelman, thank you for stopping by the inside scoop on Williams-Winari Decision Day. Texas lands Colin Simmons, and the implications from this pickup could impact other top targets on the Longhorn recruiting board. Let's bring on Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas. And Jerry, you were on four days before the decision last Monday, and we spoke. You, at the time, didn't even want to put in a pick. I said, who would you put your pick in now if you could? And you go, right now, I wouldn't even put one in. But Colin himself said that that decision came two days before the ceremony. Jerry, how was Texas able to win out for Colin Simmons? Like, I think there were two things that were always key in this recruitment, and that was close to home and playing in the SEC. And those have never changed. Um, so, look, the reality is if with Texas moving to the SEC, that gave them a legit chance. I don't think they'd have been one of the finalists if they were still mm -hmm. in the Big 12. So that hurdle was a big one for Texas. But then really, really close to home. Look, Colin is the closest to his mom and little brother. Um, and if the family wants to stay in the DFW area, stay in the state of Texas, then the University of Texas is going to be his pick. And uh, I think that is at the end of the day, you know, you sit around, Josh, and you have this circle and you sit around at this table and you talk about that decision. You know, you have grandparents, you have aunts and uncles, uh, you, you have trainers, you have every, everybody involved. And then when that table breaks up, you go sit down on the couch and you're sitting there talking to your mom right? And a lot of the time, or your dad, these recruitments. With Colin, it was his mom and little brother. And I think, uh, you know, the family likes living in Texas, um, likes the Dallas area. Um, and I think all that led to him going to Texas. Now talking to the mom, uh, Monica, after Colin committed, she spoke so highly of Steve Sarkeesian, her relationship with Steve Sarkeesian. So while the family wanted to stay close to Dallas, you also have to give credit to a, a coaching staff for having great relationships throughout the process. And what Monica said was Coach Sarkeesian had a great relationship, not only Colin, but with her. And I think when you, it's coming down to one of those family decisions, whether you're going to stay really close to home or maybe go six hours from home, that those relationships really matter. So I, I think those are really the key factors coming down the stretch. It was close to home. It was SEC. And Steve Sarkeesian and staff did a really good job with Colin's mom. Yeah, it's crazy how exciting it still was down the stretch because for like oh, yeah. the last two years, everybody's known that it was probably going to be LSU and Texas in the end. And then everybody also knew that in the end, it was probably going to be Texas. But in those last moments before he committed, I think people were generally just on the fence on where he's going. And he did a phenomenal job of keeping everybody kind of on their toes. 
So Collins also said that he wants to build the best class in America around him. Jerry, who do you think he's referencing when he says that? And are there any recruits, any top recruits with ties to Colin Simmons, good friends such as that? Well, I think he's been cl- he's become close with Kobe Black. I mean, they they visited Texas together. I think that's another five-star guy that I'm sure Collins turned his attention to and is a, considered a Texas lean over Texas A&M. And, and uh, you know, he released, I think, a Final Five the other day. Uh, but, I, you know, Texas, Texas A&M, close to home. Uh, that's one of those recruitments, similar to Colin Simmons, I think. So he's one off the top of my head. You know, then you kind of look. You know, you have some guys with decisions coming up. Wardell Mack, mm. uh, defensive back out of Marrero, or Dominic McKinley uh, is committing September 1st. I think Dominic's different. He's more of a removed kid from the Tex groups and things like that. But uh, if you're looking at one guy in Texas, it's probably Kobe Black, the corner out of Waco Conley, the five-star who plays on the same side of the ball as Colin. Yeah, hey, five-stars bring on other five-stars. So now that Colin Simmons is on board, what would you say is the most important need still left to fill? Is it still in the trenches, or does now Texas need to add some skill? Yeah, I think corner. Uh, I think corner defensive back is a big one for them. They'd love to add another defensive lineman, but there's only one guy left on the board in the interior, Dominic McKinley. But then the edge position with Colin, Josh, I mean, that's a big one. Zinu Meozulu, who Colin's also friendly with, the younger brother of Neto Meozulu. Uh, but that edge position is one as well. Wide receiver may take a little longer to play out. Five-star Ryan Wingo, this one may play out a little longer. He's going to be – Ryan Wingo will be back in Austin September 17th for the Wyoming game. The same weekend, Danny Okoye, another edge prospect Texas is after, is making a visit to Texas. So those – those the positions are corner, edge, um, and then probably that last defensive tackle spot. So it's really defensive focus now, knowing the offensive guy, the wide receiver position will take a little longer to play out. Yeah. All right. Let's talk a little bit about Ryan Wingo, who you just hit on. Um, we talked a lot about him in June when he took his official yeah. visit to, to Texas. And you had said at that time that, hey, now that Texas was able to get him on campus, they have a puncher's chance. Well, then that goes into July, and now we're in August, and it seems like the buzz around Texas and Wingo has consistently kind of gotten louder and louder. Would you now say that Texas is a main player for Ryan Wingo rather than just a puncher's chance here? Oh, oh yeah, for sure. I think Ryan Wingo in Texas, that, that's absolutely true, Josh. That's accurate, and I think Tennessee is, and I think Missouri is right now. Obviously, there's a lot of pressure on Missouri uh, to keep those guys in state, and they have they've had some success in that over the years. I mean, Doral Green Beckham and uh, a couple of those other highly ranked five star wide receivers. Mm-hmm. But look, Ryan's going to be at Texas the 17th. He's going to be at Tennessee September 30th, uh, based on our intel. So look, it's it, those are the three teams right now that seem to have gone forward in this process ascended with texas a&m michigan georgia some others still there but yeah texas very much has a chance here i think there's a great relationship with steve sarkeesian i think chris jackson has done a good job building relationships since he was hired and then i think harts manning's involved in this recruitment Mm -hmm. and then that can never be underestimated because uh that means texas has a pretty good read on this recruitment based on intel we've heard well, Ryan Wingo has remained in the conversation since his official visit. How about Brandon Baker, one of the top offensive tackles in America, out of California? What has things been like since he visited Austin in June? Yeah, I think the Baker and the Baker's family in Texas very close. I think Texas has done a really good job there with the family and Brandon. I think what's interesting about his recruitment is you know, he has that September 16th official visit scheduled to Nebraska. 
So Texas is trying to get him back on campus during the season. Currently, his teammate DeAndre Carter is scheduled to be in for the Kansas game September 30th. So we'll see if Texas may be able to get Baker back on campus if DeAndre Carter remains uncommitted at that time. But, uh, yeah, and then you have Oregon. What the move to the Big Mm -hmm. Ten, does that shake things up again? Because Oregon was a big favorite, and then they were kind of more fighting. They were more fighting with Ohio State and Texas at one point. But I believe right now it's those four schools. It's Texas, it's Oregon, it's Ohio State, and it's Nebraska. And I think the family really likes Texas. And, look, the family is – the mom is related to the Akana family who have a son and daughter at University of Texas, one playing football, one playing volleyball. Well, there's some potential on the board still for the Longhorns. So as as we see it right now in about mid-August, Texas currently has the 17th ranked class in America. Did the addition of Colin Simmons put them on track to finish with the top 10 class? And what do you think is needed for a top five finish? Yeah, I think absolutely it did. I mean, that's kind of the bell cow, that momentum, you know, that was slower to develop versus last year when Arch Manning committed in June, right before big visit weekend. Yeah, I mean, you look, Texas has four, four, five stars still on the board. They're right there with, we've mentioned them. Uh, Kobe Black, Brandon Baker, Ryan Ryan Wingo. Then you have Dominic McKinley, who's deciding September 1st. The reality, Josh, as we know, is if Texas hits on two more of those guys, has three five stars, they're going to be in that five, six, seven, eight range. Then it becomes how big does your class get? I think Texas has signed 25 guys. So if they hit on three five stars with a 25-man class with what's left, guys like Wardell Mack has possibilities and some others, then they're going to be right there knocking on the door for a third straight top five class. Mm. Well, we'll see what Texas can do between now and early signing day, which is only about four months away, but we have the whole season to go still. Lots of twists and turns to come. Jerry, thanks for stopping by today on the Inside Scoop. You got it. Auburn landed another commitment over the weekend, staying hot on the recruiting trail as summer goes on. The Tigers added IMG Academy four-star TJ Lindsay, defensive lineman, the 30th-ranked defensive lineman in America, Auburn this time beat out Texas and Miami. They now have a total of 16 commitments as we're just about out of the summer recruiting months. Let's bring on Jeffrey Lee of Auburn Live. And we're going to talk about the big man Cam Franklin trending to Auburn here in a minute. But I want to go back out to California real quick and see if things are still all good with four-star offensive lineman DeAndre Carter out of Modern Day High School. Now, he took an official visit in June and back then, You told me, well, after he came back on his own dime to Big Cat Weekend in the end of July, you told me that you thought DeAndre was on potential commit watch. A few weeks later, has the visit high worn off? Where do things stand between Auburn and DeAndre Carter? I think they stand the same. Uh, In this day and age, Josh, you know as well as I do, everybody wants their moment when it comes to the commitment. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's more of a uh, that he wants to get family together. He wants to have a, a ceremony with family and friends. And that's kind of the logistics of it all mm-hmm. is basically what we're waiting on. I still have a lot of confidence in Auburn's uh, chances with Carter right now. I think it's just a logistics of when and where he's, he wants to announce it. And, and listen, I think it'll be soon. I, I think it'll be maybe first week of September at the very latest. Uh, but as of right now, I don't think there's any reason for Auburn fans to be concerned. Who's the biggest competition in Auburn's direction for when it comes to Carter? Got to be Texas. I know. I know Michigan State is in there as well, but uh, I think Texas is going to be Auburn's, you know, thorn, thorn in the thumb, if you will, uh, if there is going to be one. 
All right, let's get to the big man, Cam Franklin. Auburn fans, do me a favor, though. Like this video and subscribe to the On3 YouTube page. We just crossed over 100,000 subscribers. Thank you very much. And if you're not subscribed yet, do it right now. All right, Cam Franklin goes six foot five, 260 pounds, and he is making his decision this Saturday, August 19th. You heard a lot about Tennessee throughout his recruitment, Miami, even some Ole Miss. But as we get down to it, Auburn is trending late when it matters at 59% on the RPM, the recruiting prediction machine. How should Auburn fans feel about this recruitment as we're just under a week until he announces? Cautiously optimistic. I think it's the best way to put it. I think they're, uh, Auburn is in a very good spot. I don't think they would trade places with Tennessee, with Miami, uh, with Ole Miss. I don't think they would trade spots with them at any point right now. You know, that visit right before the dead period kicked in that last week of uh, July really, really played a big uh, factor in Kamarion's recruitment. Jeremy Garrett, Hugh Freeze, both of those guys from the state of Mississippi that got ties, they've got really strong bonds with Cam. And so I think that's really paying off for Auburn uh, as we get near the decision. So I think right now Auburn is the team to beat. But, Josh, we've seen things like this happen before, and, and we know uh, things can change late. But as of today, I do like where Auburn sits. What has Auburn done well in the recruitment for Cam Franklin? Relationships. And I, I think it's been very important to him. Jeremy Garrett has been very important to him. They have – you know, he talked about us – Coming from the same you know area, uh, they get each other, they vibe well, and uh, and, he, and Hugh Freeze is the same way, man. Hugh Freeze is taking a. Uh, we've talked about some of these bigger recruits, these top recruits that Auburn is in on. Hugh Freeze has been uh, instrumental in recruiting them, well, all of them to be honest mm -hmm. with you, and Franklin. So those relationships with those two coaches, and, um, and and the opportunity to play early certainly big factors there for Cam Franklin. Yeah, 6'5", 260. These big men are coming off the board, and there's just not a lot of high-quality big men like a Cam Franklin available, so it's no secret why he's such a priority. Speaking of priorities, let's head down to South Florida where four-star safety Zaquan Patterson is a priority for Auburn. We've talked a lot, of, a, a lot about him on the inside scoop with you, Jeffrey. He's expected to make his decision in about a week from now. It seems to me... Even though Miami's recruiting re trending heavily on the recruiting prediction machine, it seems to me that this is a two-team race between Auburn and Miami as we're about a week out. Yeah, I, I think so too. I wouldn't discount Michigan completely yet. Uh, you know, Patterson came to Auburn's Big Cat event in July and last weekend, last Saturday of July, he left there and immediately flew to Michigan. I think Michigan is in this, but uh, you know, Auburn has pos positioned itself very well with Patterson. He's been to Auburn several times for a guy from South Florida. Uh, you know, he's been he, he's been to Auburn games before. He's been to Auburn camps since he was little. So he's he, he's very familiar with Auburn for a kid from the Miami area. You know, Zach Etheridge has been big with him. Hugh Freeze is another one. Um, this is one of those guys, especially after missing on KJ Bolden. This is one. This is probably the next man up uh, at say. All right. So what do you think? I mean, this comes down to Auburn and Miami. Do you like Auburn's chances despite what the recruiting prediction machine shows, which is Miami with a 91% lead? Uh, I wouldn't say I don't like it uh, or like it. I mean, I'm kind of 50-50 with him. You know, I really don't know which way he's leaning. I, I think Auburn has made him a high priority. Mm -hmm. I really do. When, when, when Hugh Freeze and these guys make – 
you know, recruits high priorities, most of the time they've, they've won out so far. So I would not count out Auburn with, with Zaquan Patterson uh, when Auburn, you know, got their claws in him, and they certainly do. All right, well, some big decisions getting made. And as we head out of summer, Auburn sits with 16 commitments, you know, not over halfway full in their 2024 class. So at this point, as we head out of summer, what would you say is Auburn's most important need still left to fill? Still left to fill offensive line. There is no one committed right now. Auburn is going to – now, they had a big class. They had a big offensive line class in 2023. Uh, but, you know, I think they signed nine offensive linemen before those were transfers. Uh, another one was a junior college kid. So they added four high school kids last year. And then of those transfers, of course, Dylan Wade's got three years remaining. Uh, Muskrat's got two. And Isaiah Miller, the JUCO, has two remaining. So, uh, But long-term, and you've got to refill the stock. You, you um You've got to stock up on these offensive linemen, and it's a major need. DeAndre Carter obviously could be the first domino, but other than him, Auburn's going to have – and I'm expecting three to four here. Mm -hmm. Uh, But other than that, Auburn's probably going to have to flip some some kids because most of the top targets are already committed elsewhere. So uh, I think offensive line, you got to keep that. That's that was the downfall of Gus Malzahn, you know, not being able to restock that covered every year with high school talent and depending too much on transfer portal and junior colleges. And when they get there and don't work out, you have nobody behind them to develop. So I think offensive line is absolutely the biggest need remaining in this class. All right, Jeffrey. Well, there's a lot to be excited about. If you're an Auburn fan, recruiting is hot and the season is about to get started. Auburn Live has you guys covered with all the most recent recruiting developments and everything going on within the team. Jeffrey Lee, thank you for stopping by today on the Inside Scoop. Absolutely, Josh. Thanks so much for having me, man. Yep. See ya. Thank you for watching. Make sure you smash that subscribe button for me. And remember to check out all the videos on the On3 YouTube page.